Hi there, it's Cameron Vakillian with Innovating Internships, the podcast where we discuss what makes a successful internship and why. For this episode, I'm discussing the hot topic of paid versus unpaid internships. What are the facts, statistics, and implications you need to know about both these options? This is one of two episodes I've released this month, so if you're looking for an intern and have questions about compensation, this episode is for you. If you're a student or prospective intern, go and check out my other episodes specifically for students on this topic, or stick around and learn what you should expect from your internship providers. Let's start off by talking about paid internships. It's no secret that these experiences lead to far more success overall, and I'm always an advocate for paid internships. However, this doesn't mean I'm against unpaid if done correctly. Some organizations can really benefit from both kinds depending on their resources. But let's talk statistics for a moment. And note this episode was recorded in September of 2022 because these statistics are ever-changing. Research from NACE, the National Association of Colleges and Employers, consistently report that paid interns receive more job offers after graduation than unpaid interns. And interns that do a paid internship are far more likely to be hired on as an official employee. Statistics have changed since the pandemic, and the demand for interns has risen significantly. National data reports that 61% of internships are now paid, while 39% are unpaid. And you can see those four hiring signs out there a lot, so this is definitely going on with jobs, and it's certainly no different with internships. The demand for work is just so high out there. Now, when we focus on just interns getting college credit for their internship, I see the statistic change a bit. To be more specific, I primarily work with communication and digital media internships, and here in my department, I've had 135 students complete an internship this year for academic credit. 51% of the internships were paid, and 49% were unpaid, so you can see that's pretty split down the middle. We'll talk more about why college credit matters when we discuss unpaid internships, but you can clearly see paid internships yield quite the payoff and really produce the best results. So if your organization has the ability, you should always provide a paid internship. Now, you may be wondering, what does compensation look like for an intern? How much and how do I pay them? The national average for hourly wage in the U.S. is $20.76 for interns but this can vary depending on industry. You can usually obtain this kind of data from college or university career centers and can even see what the numbers look like depending on the field of study. For example, in my college, the College of Humanities, the average hourly wage is $14.08 an hour for interns. Now with digital media internships, I advocate that employers aim for more like $15 an hour to stay competitive with the increased need for interns in this area especially in this very digital world we live in and the aftermath of the pandemic. Now, this is important. You should never consider eligibility for college credit as a form of compensation. So, for example, don't put this under any compensation section in your position description or offer letter. This is, in fact, far from the truth. When a student gets credit for their internship at their school, they usually must take an internship course and pay normal tuition fees to get that credit. So in reality, the student is actually paying to have their experience count for credit. So employers keep that compensation description as monetary. I would list other advantages or incentives such as travel perks, discounts, professional development in a different section. 
So how can you pay interns? Well, always consult your HR department on how this should work for interns. But if you don't have an HR department, there are a couple ways you can do this. You can provide a stipend amount. For example, I've seen employers give like $2,000 for a stipend at the end of the internship. But I would just make sure to be very clear about this in your position description or offer letter on what outcomes or stipulations go along with this in case there needs to be any early termination. You could also add your intern to normal payroll and have them receive regular payments. Just make sure to list this as a contracted position with a specified end date. You always want to make it very clear this is not a regular employed position. But for tax purposes, you will need to treat the intern as a regular employee, meaning you must deduct taxes from the intern's paycheck and pay employer payroll taxes that go along with this. You can always consult a tax professional if you don't have an HR department. If you are self-employed and want to bring on an intern, it doesn't need to be terribly complicated, but you will want to pay close attention to these tax laws and how you report them for your business. We'll talk more about labor laws when it comes to unpaid internships. Taxes also look a little different for nonprofit organizations versus for-profit organizations. Nonprofit organizations can bring a student on as a volunteer and provide a stipend, which can be considered what's called a nominal payment, which means not to exceed 20% of what the student would be making doing the same job in a hired sense. This can have tax benefits for nonprofit organizations depending on how much the stipend is. More than 600 in one year would need to be reported to the IRS. Sometimes employers can even partner with departments at universities to provide an endowed scholarship for a student. Now, what does endowed mean? Well, that basically means that you are donating a monetary amount to the school and letting the department administer the scholarship and disperse it to the student. For this option, you'll want to consult with your department or college's development official. If we are talking universities here, every department or college should have someone in this role. So essentially, this would be considered an unpaid internship with a scholarship. But since we are talking money here, you can list this as a legitimate form of compensation. Now, this can be a really good way to add merit to your internship. So you can have GPA requirements. Um, this is a bit of a time consuming process. So if you're not prepared to go through the lengthy process that it is, I wouldn't go this route. Plus, every university works a little differently on this. Okay, so let's talk about unpaid internships now. This may seem like a popular choice, given that it doesn't infer any cost to the employer. However, I very much caution employers going this route unless they are prepared to offer a truly meaningful experience. If you are wanting a good pool of candidates to choose from an interview, unpaid internships definitely don't get as many applicants. Nowadays, with rising tuition costs and economic hardship, students more than ever cannot afford to take on internships and school without compensation. In fact, many students who do an internship still have an additional full or part-time job to take care of life expenses. So obviously, expect a lower number of applicants when it comes to unpaid internships. So why are unpaid internships still a thing? Well, the reason why it's still legal for an intern to be unpaid actually comes from a 1947 Supreme Court case, Whaling versus Portland Terminal Company, which ruled that interns do not need to be paid because they were considered trainees and do not actually expedite the business, but may and sometimes can impede it. But don't worry, these experiences can be mutually beneficial and sometimes provide a great experience if done in the right way. Under the Fair Labor Standards Act, employees must be paid for their work. 
But there is something called the primary beneficiary test, which is what courts use to determine the extent at which someone is considered an intern and not an employee. And now I'm just going to paraphrase these seven factors. So number one, it's clearly understood by both the employer and intern that there is no expectation of compensation. Number two, the internship provides training similar to what you'd expect in an educational environment. Number three, the internship is tied to an academic program, such as their degree. So this would be making sure that they can get college credit for that internship. Number four, the internship should accommodate their educational schedule. Number five, the duration of the internship is limited, so a clearly defined end date. Number six, the internship does not replace a job of an employee. Number seven, there is no promise or entitlement to a paid job at the end of the internship. Now, a general rule I like to mention to employers wanting to offer an unpaid internship is to always think of the intern first. Think of it as more of a benefit for them than it is for you, but that you're also getting some good help along the way. Get to know your intern's goals, strengths, academic plans, and design the internship around them. Learn what their school schedule is and make sure you create a work schedule that is flexible to that. Also get to know their personal life schedule too and be a champion for their time management. You can ask these kind of questions in the interview to really make sure it's a good fit for both of you. Also, unpaid internships can often involve more of your time as a supervisor. So while you may be saving money with unpaid, keep in mind it may take more of your own labor to provide a good experience and retain that intern. But also, it should come as no surprise that unpaid internships do have a higher chance of ending early or the student simply flaking out. Ask any volunteer coordinator. This is something they deal with all the time. So I wouldn't trust any tasks with high importance to an unpaid intern. You may end up having to scramble to get it done yourself if that intern drops off. Again, make it more about something they enjoy doing that they will learn a lot from. You should create a general position description at first, but be prepared to alter that description after interviewing and selecting your intern so that you can really tailor the position to challenge them, but also support them to excel. If you can create an experience that is all about their learning and development, there is a greater chance of success, and your company might even hire that intern as a full-time employee in the future. Also, if pay cannot be offered for an internship, think about some of the other perks that can be offered. Do you have a nice space that the intern can use? Could they come in and have an area to work but also study using office supplies and printers? Can you take the intern out to a company lunch or social hour? What networks can they develop in the position? Can they maybe even come to a professional conference with you? I know I've had some employers try to get compensation for an intern, and their leadership said it's not possible, but that funds exist in other places like professional development. These are the things you can mention in your interview, but again, I wouldn't list this in any compensation section of a position description. All in all, make it clear to the intern you want to see them succeed and keep your schedule open for them as much as you can. Sometimes the best gift you can give to an intern is mentorship and constructive feedback. If a student is doing an unpaid internship, they will want to know that the opportunity will lead them somewhere, and if that mentor-mentee relationship isn't well established, well, you may see that intern drop off early. 
So hopefully this helps anyone looking to bring on an intern. I know this is a common question I get from employers, so I hope you enjoyed this solo episode. I plan to do more of these hot topic episodes throughout the season, so if there is a topic you'd like to know more about, reach out to me. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening.